Hello and welcome to The Huddle, brought to you by Wilson, au.wilson.com for all your sporting goods. And this week, this week we've got Derek Rucker, the 1990 NBL MVP, the three-time All-NBL first-teamer and uh, a legend of the league. And um, I was pumped for it. This is a guy I really wanted to make sure I got on The Huddle pretty regularly. Love discussing the game with Ruck and getting his insights. And uh, we touched on a whole bunch of things. Um, he's obviously in Brisbane. We, t- we talked a lot about the Bullets, um, how exciting it is to see Nathan Sobey up and about. He was sitting in the stands at that Sunshine Stoush the other night. So we got his thoughts on Cairns as well. Um, their slow start to the season, his insights into their struggles. And um, Ruck gives an interesting lineup suggestion for how maybe they could, they could change things up. Um, we talked a lot about Mojave King, the next star on his way to the NBA draft, not getting a lot of burn right now for the Snakes. And uh, Ruck gives some tremendous insights on King, having worked with him uh, on a one-on-one basis. Um, We talked about the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, the potential of Ryan Brokoff coming into the mix, um, what we like about that squad, dislike. He has some big, strong words to say about Kyle Adnam. And um, we talked about Lamar Patterson and Scotty Hobson, their situations, those elite performers and uh, their current struggles. And to finish off, um, Ruck talks about the Kings and why he's interested, curious to see what they deliver in the upcoming couple of weeks. So it was a great conversation. Pumped to have Ruck on the show. Sit back, relax. Up next, Derek Ruck. Ruck, mate, great to have you on. I uh, When I sat down with the people to discuss about the huddle and, and this, putting this podcast together and we looked at all the names of the people that I perhaps might want to discuss the game with, yours was at the very top of the list. So I'm wrapped that we've been able to make it happen, mate. Welcome. Uh, I'm very flattered. And obviously um, to take part in something uh this great and you have a tremendous platform and you've done a really good job and you're how many years have you been with the league now three oh yeah about that three or four yeah yeah well you've done a you've done a great job and and making a name for yourself and uh you know for you to think about me thank you i appreciate it and i'm looking forward to being a part of it no of course of course in fact i've told this story a few times man and i'm pretty sure i've told it to you but um i was obviously as a as a youngster growing up in melbourne right like we went Every Friday night or every Saturday, we went and watched Drewy and Copes and, and those Tigers, right? But, yeah. And that was my team. Watched them at Albert Park Stadium, court one with the blue court and, uh, curtain pulled over. But I, I have this super strong memory of my dad taking myself and my brothers to the glass house to watch, to watch, because you were in town, you know, and you were the new guy on the block and um, my dad was, you know, I had a, a three boys who were point guards. And he said, you know what? We're going to this game. Usually we watch the game. Tonight we're watching Derek Rucker. And I right. want you to study the way he, he approaches the game. It's, it's one of my strongest basketball memories as a youngster. Wow. Wow. So that would have been perhaps 1990, April sure. or May of 1990. Uh-huh. Against the Saints. Can you track that game down? Yeah. Oh, I know. I know all those games, you know, uh, West Side. Um, I remember in 1990, we played Andrew Gaze and the Tigers, and they beat us. I think we were 3-0 and at the time, and they gave us our first loss. 
Um, but I used to tell people how awesome uh, the atmosphere was in that precinct down there because mm. we played alongside AFL. So it was not uncommon for there to be a game at the G, okay, a game at um, the Glass House, um, and just all this traffic and energy on a Friday night um, going to the game. And, like, you felt like you were alive. You felt mm. a part of something special. And, you know, for you to experience it, experience it as a child and um, to still be working in the game now, like, that just gives you memories that, you know, unfortunately not many of us have anymore. For sure, for sure. Um, let's talk about the league, man. We're yeah. through. I mean, I, we, I just got done shooting overtime and the first thing that popped into my head when, when Cameron introduced me to the show was just how fun that round of hoops was that we just watched. Like, it was an incredible round with so many close games. We, did you, were you there in the building for the Sunshine Stash? I was. I, uh, that's the first time I've been to a Bullets game in about three or four years. And uh, credit to Sam McKinnon, who's doing an outstanding job of trying to get all the former players and, mm. and coaches and everyone back involved. Man, due to Sam, there were probably about 20 to 25 ex-players in the house. Wow. And, you know, that means a lot to us. And, you know, for him to recognize and get everyone there, it just gives you a different dimension to your games, you know, like you were just mentioning that uh, before. Um, but onto the game, fantastic game. Not much defense being played, Liam. <laughs> Not much defense at all. But like the energy, Nissan Arena is a yep. good venue. Mm. Tell have you us. Been? No, I've not. But you can, you can feel it. I mean, they don't have full capacity in there right now. Right? Yeah, but they you, do. Oh, they, they do. But and oh, when yeah. when that team gets rolling or things get tight, like that's an arena now that has like a, a cauldron type atmosphere when things get hot. And it's just a aesthetically, it's a bright place. Uh, the fans are on you. It's steep like that on both sides of the court, and then it's in tight. I I was talking to Shane Hill, and I was saying I think it's a really good venue to shoot the basketball because of the lack of depth behind the hoop you know how sometimes when you used to go into rod laver and you shoot and it, it was just a great abyss behind the basket <laughs> it's not like that here in right. Nissan. it is right. a really comfortable place and once all these covid protocols end and and i think they're able to get more people around the court it's going to be a great place and i think um i think andre labanis finally has a team mm. like a well-assembled team where there are no wasted bits the that squad the thing i liked about that squad at the towards the second half of that game was they showed some fire you know and of course it come came from sobi and it came from vic law who is a who doesn't seem like that kind of guy and is just a perfect gentleman off the floor from what i can tell but yeah when, when guys started yapping to vic law his competitive fire ignited the Bullets were asleep the whole first half. And I was thinking to myself, here we go again, another game in third gear. Um, but, you know, they came out, what, probably midway through the third and started to turn the momentum. Law was doing enough to, like, keep them around, what was it, 8 to 12 points? Was, mm -hmm. was that the deficit the Bullets were facing? Mm -hmm. And I didn't think Cairns really stepped on them. I thought Cairns made some mistakes. I don't know why they stopped running that action that they were running that was getting Majuk Dang a lot of great looks and Oliver in the first half, the bullets had no answer. And I thought Cairns kind of shot themselves in the foot by going away from it. I thought it was more of that rather than 
any adjustments the bullets made. Perhaps you saw it differently from the studio, but um, I, I just thought once Sobe got cooking, it was going to be a problem. And he's so vibrant, like his energy, it just goes from the floor to the top, the top uh, row in the stands. Mm -hmm. And it was like, man, like I wanted to go watching Sobe and he's so bouncy and athletic mm. and then laws into it. And then Kadi, who I thought, I think Jason needs to be more, <clears throat> he needs to, he's got too much talent to just be in the back seat. I don't mind if he's a passenger, but at least get in the front seat. You know what I'm saying? Get up in the front seat a little bit, Jason, and be, and be the co-pilot. Be messing around with the radio a little bit, something. Mm -hmm. But he hit that big three. Huge three. Massive. But that's what Jason can do. And I guess, you know, if you look at the net result, they win the game. And I actually, there's a part of me that feels like his cool, calm demeanor uh, is a big help to Sobes. Major because because Sobs and I, I said this today. Sobs can now just just be that guy, be himself, and not worry about well, what tone am I setting for the team? Is this the time when I should walk it up? Is this the time when I should push it up? Is this the time who, who hasn't got? He doesn't have to think about anything like that. He leaves that all to Kadi, and he figures, you know what? If the ball's in my hands, it's because they want me to attack. Yeah, or get that thing off of stops, get it out in transition. You know what? You've got the green, you've got the green light. Make some plays happen because realistically, there are very few guys that are going to be able to keep their hips in front of him if he's decisive about his action. Mm. And then if you get him confident, mm. nah, it's a wrap. And the three <laughs> balls going, you know, like how can you stop him? And it's an interesting point you make. Kadi's calm nature is good for Sobe. And I think you either need that or really dominant personality like Jerome. Mm -hmm. I think those two combinations are good to put with, with Nathan and then he can really excel because right now he's looking, has he had a bad game yet? I, I don't think so. And he was unbelievable over those two, two wins alongside Vic Law. And I, I love that we're, we're diving deep on him from the get-go because he is just so fun to watch. Like you talked about what I saw in the studio. I actually was on the couch for that game right. uh, for, for Brisbane and Cairns. And I was losing my biscuits. And it's funny because I usually don't. My wife was looking at me quite strangely because I don't care who wins, right? I, yeah. I'm not, I don't have a horse in the race. But Sobe gets me amped like that when he's playing like that. Um, and then to, to see, obviously, there was kind of some fire that ignited in that game. But to see him flying high and I, and I don't just mean soaring through the air but, but but playing in a way where he's in his comfort zone and he's, yeah. he's he's swinging those fists after an and one finish at the rim just gets me cronk because I like to see guys especially guys who are dedicated to their craft like Sobi like you see him on his Instagram like he doesn't eat anything mm. ever that's not going to help him be the best that he can be and he's so driven like that so to see him back playing at that kind of level, I was yeah. throwing my popcorn around. So the Bullets were also, I thought, aided by Tanner Krebs. I thought Tanner came in and made some really key buckets when they just needed to kind of keep it going. I thought he came in, got on his left hand with a nice finish. Um, but the one who's really surprising me in terms of not only his talent, but he's got a little something as Tyrell Harrison. Mm. Watching his body language, He's not, he's not backing down out there. He feels confident with the ball. 
He's got some good, strong energy, and he is a giant. And, you know, he's, he can step out and shoot the three, too. You're not seeing everything that he can do. Um, and I was telling somebody today, like, you know, I don't want to get carried away, but there is a possibility. I can't see why an NBA team would not be looking at him um, for next season. And, you know, that would be quite an achievement for the Bullets if they send Magne and mm. they send Harrison over. I think Harrison is a legitimate NBA prospect. They, uh, and it was Richard Clark at the time, alongside Andre Lamanis, they talked about him as an NBA guy when they first signed him. And um, to see um, Harrison come out this season, and you're right, just he, he looks like he belongs, yep. and he looks like he feels like he belongs. Well, with my basketball business, Derek Rucker Basketball, I always teach, I have this little mantra, is that we don't play out of fear. We, believe, mm-hmm. we play out of belief, confidence, knowing that we've done the work, and I don't want anyone operating out of fear and I don't see an iota of fear in, in Harrison. And now look what's happened, man. Like, who would have thought four games in for the Bullets that he would be dipping into Harry Froling's minutes? Mm-hmm. Never would have predicted that. No. Um, and it's great. We love to see these, these young guys come through. So what do we think this Brisbane team can be? I mean, Vic hey, Law has been super I- impressive. I think Orlando Johnson's got more to bring too. Mm-hmm. I hear some mumble, but he's just not healthy yet. Like let him get healthy. He's in a perfect situation where I don't think they need him. Well, they've shown they don't need him at full capacity to, to knock off good teams. Now, look, they've got a serious test Friday night. Um, bring it going up against Melbourne United, but I don't see why they can't beat Melbourne United and they play well. Traditionally, Lamontis' teams play well against Melbourne United up here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you think about that first Hawks game where they had Justinian Jessup on lockdown. They yep. made life very difficult for Tyler Harvey. And you and I spoke about after that game saying that that's, they really, they should have got that. They should have. That game. So, and, and, but they didn't even really perform that well. I thought, no. and look, it's a new team. Look, this is a crazy year. Teams aren't probably, especially I think Cairns, Brisbane and one other team, uh, Adelaide, they played a lot of games mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're not, you, you know, you can't go crazy hard because you got another game coming up. Like, and so I, I just don't know how many defensive adjustments or offensive as well, how many adjustments in general they can make a training. I'd imagine training is just more like getting shots up. I don't know how much five on five, those three teams in particular mm. would be doing, you know, and I think that's going to be, like that for most of the teams when they get down for the NBL Cup. So I think there's a slight advantage right now if you're playing a lot of games and winning, like Adelaide, mm-hmm. or you've barely played any games at all, like Perth. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. those teams, yeah, I think those teams have the advantage because if you're not winning, you want to be getting practice in, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like quality practice. Now, if you're losing and you're playing a lot, like the Taipans, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, they have this week to get themselves ready, but, you know, I'm sure they've got some morale issues. You know, they've lost five in a row. What did you see from the sidelines from that group when things got tough? So that was my first time seeing Machado in real life. And I, and I love the way he plays. Um, I just feel there's a, and not from him, but I just feel there's some angst, some tension amongst the group. Uh, combined with confusion. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, you're up 15 at half, 55, 40 at the half with that talent. I know you're playing on the road. Um, I just, I just never would have foreseen that they dropped that game with the talent they have, but I also didn't foresee Nate Jawai playing so little. Mm. Yep. I mean, he's, it happens, right? As guys get older. Oh. You couldn't find three minutes a quarter for him? He's not playing a lot. He's not playing no. a lot. And when, and when he's out there, it's a little unlike what it's been in previous seasons. When he's out there, they're not feeding the big fella. Like in, in the last couple of seasons under, or certainly last season under Mike, um, they had the approach like it was, they approached Nate's minutes like, like the Greek national team with Scorzianides. Oh my God. Do you know what I mean? Where, <laughs> yeah. where when the big fella's out there, it's him. And we're running plays to him. He's, he knows it's time to duck in, seal up on the rim. And we're just going to pound it into him because down the other end, he's got to sprint the floor. They're going to drag him out on a pick and roll coverages. So he's only got about three or four minutes of wind. Yep. So while he's out there, we're going to make him a big problem to solve down the other end. And they don't seem to be doing that right now. There seems to be a simple solution. I would move Machado off the ball when Nate is in. And I'm keeping, I'm keeping Machado in the game when Nate is out there. And I'm just bringing Scotty off some simple pin downs off of Nate. Some simple, and then, you know what? If we don't, if Scotty doesn't have a play or he can't kick down to Nate, Nate, let's go two-man game on this side. Mm -hmm. Make it nice and simple. On the other end, you know what? Change it up. Play some zone. Like, I need to see right across the board in the NBL, other than Gorgian, mm -hmm. I need to see more defensive adjustments, man. Everyone's just so, like complacent and once again this could be a function of not being able to train enough coaches may not have confidence in their their alternative defensive schemes mm -hmm. but like you've got to have something up your sleeve or right, what are you seeing defensively well the, the one three one zone that the gorge has used at times have have there been game changes all and, you need and, is a possession to get up a quarter right right and and the beautiful thing I, I love about that is he's not going to that out of necessity He's going to that out of strategy, as in, let's let's just mix it up. Like I've seen him go that a couple of times when they've actually been in lockdown. Like he's yeah. and and but he's like, you know what? We're not going to let them get comfortable. We're not going to let them start to make adjustments. Let's flip it up, trap them in the corners, create chaos, and keep running. I like when they trap in the corners. I love that trapping in the corners because. It's so unique to, fa to face it now as an offensive player. No one's playing like that. And all of a sudden you trap in the corners and it's mm -hmm. like, oh, what the hell's hit me? Especially if you, can, if you can sling it as a surprise like they've been able to do. But I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge proponent of zone defenses, but, you know, you, you've just got to throw it in there. Change up after a made free throw. Like, let's do something else. Three possessions a half. Like, let's change it up and get three cheap possessions a half where they mm -hmm. turn it over once. Uh, what happened in the game the other day? Someone got an eat. Was it maybe the Perth game or one of the games? Somebody went into a quick little trap and got a quick layup again. And, mm -hmm. and you know, oh, yeah, in the backcourt. Yeah. 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 Um, and and, and it, out of a, out of off the free throws, then Southeast Melbourne didn't see it coming. Wow. Yes. Turnover. We're back in the game. Yep. Yep. And yeah. you know, it, it's not it's not like it's high energy stuff. And you can mix you can mix the intensity of those zone presses up. You know, you can go full out trapping or you can go, you know, what? we're just stalling them. 
And then, you know, we're going to drop back. We might drop back into a zone. We might drop back into man. You know, we might go drop back and switch and everything. You know, there's so many different things. I think sometimes, um, you know, coaches just lose that creativity and that ingenuity. And sometimes it could be out of fear. You know, I understand being in the hot seat. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get beat, maybe thinking outside the box. I think apart from the Hawks, who have incredible energy at the defensive end, are very, very organized and have the right athletes to play that way yep. and to change it up. I think the other team I think that is a, is a little bit, um, we haven't seen the best of in that regard, but has that capacity for me is Southeast Melbourne. And I think Dane Pinot coming back into the into the squad will help that a lot with what he can do at that end of the floor. But when when they what I saw from them in the preseason, it was a the the game when they smacked New Zealand in Tasmania behind right. closed doors. But I got a hold of the tape. Them up the floor defensively, they were an absolute nightmare, yeah. and 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 they were they were face guarding the. We've seen tiny little, little bits of it but they completely tore New Zealand apart, face guarding the inbounds, trapping the first catch, denying it back to the point guard. Guys like Ben Moore, Yanni Wetzel, Ruben Tarangi up in the lanes, picking off passes. Dan Pinot is going to be similar to that when, when he gets back in the mix. And this that's part of why I, I'm actually pretty confident in that team. Now, obviously, if Brian Brokoff comes into the mix, that takes it to a whole different level. But I'm yeah. confident in that team becoming, like being in the mix. They got thrown. A, they got thrown a lifeline the other night. Whoa! There's a big <laughs> difference between two and two going to play mm-hmm. when when they were going to play United or that one and three. And now that United game, it's like okay, it wasn't. You know, you can go home now. You're two and three. Mm. It's not too bad. It's way different than one and four for sure. And Jesse missed that layout. But on the flip side, what do you want to do in the jungle? Give yourself a chance to win. Right now. Kyle Adam needs his own team. <laughs> Talk to me. He needs his own team. The guy's guy's very talented. And um, I wasn't convinced maybe the first time I saw him, like maybe three or four years ago, um, that guy needs his own team. I, I think I've seen enough of him now and I've seen enough of him and I'm frustrated by the fact, and this is no knock on Kiefer Sykes because that dude can ball. But at some point you've got to, a franchise has got to realize, hey, we've got this asset here in an Australian point guard, mm-hmm. a young one who's got some confidence. He's feeling good. He can knock down the three. He can get in the gaps. Probably needs to improve bringing players into the game a little bit. But especially in a two-import situation, like I just, it just feels a bit redundant to me. So if you were Scott Roth, and then, and you were gonna you were looking at who around the league you would go after to begin that Tasmania Jack Jumpers organization is Kyle. I mean, would you? He's got me. Yes. If you're asking me that, I would go yes. I would take him because he is a capable Australian point guard that can be my lead point guard, and I'm confident of him going against American imports. And then I'm gonna go say next year there's three. There's say that we're back to three imports next year. I'm going out and get me a Bradley Beal type two. Uh-huh. get me a, a Rob Rose type three and then some type of some type of Cam Olivery type four and we're going to be ready to roll. <laughs> He's coming off contract. Is he? He's coming off contract. This is his last, last year of the deal he signed with Southeast Melbourne. Now, it's interesting because part of me, 
I mean, I, I love him in the role that he has at Southeast Melbourne right now for them, maybe not for him necessarily, because he's, he's like kind of busting at the seams for, for more opportunities. But, but how long as, is he going to be bus boy? <laughs> but if you can have that, if you're Tommy Greer or you're Simon Mitchell and you can have that, you can have that microwave coming off the bench who's looking to come off shooting and scoring, happy days. Well, you know, well, then I need to see him of, I need to see more of him and Sykes together. Which they've been exploring a fair bit in the, in the early games. And, you know, Gibbo, Gibbo's looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was unfortunate that he hurt because I was really looking forward to it. And, I, and when, the, when the broadcast started the other day, I'm like, why is Gibbo looking so chill on the sidelines? And it was <laughs> like, oh, he's done his calf again. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, because Gibbo looked, what game was that? Was that the Perth game? No. Yeah. Which yeah. game was he really sharp? He's been sharp two games. He has. Yeah, no, he's been big for them. Um, he... He was sharp, very, very... He was big for them in the first game against Perth, which they ended up going down. Mm. And then he didn't play in the, uh, in the last two. Um, I hear you, though. I hear you. You know, you got Glidden, you got Sykes, you got Gibbo, and Adam. Those are, those are, the, that's a playoff combination of four guards. And... Am I missing someone? No, no, no. That's, that's the, that's the backcourt. But then you've got... And I mean, of course, as I mentioned, Ron Brockoff. I mean, if that he's happens, not, there's no way he's got to be signing with an NBA team. That's what we thought about Jock Lando. That's what we thought about Bryce Cotton after he put 45 on the board in a grand final. You know, like we've had that conversation a lot over the past five years. Like that guy's actually too good for this league. And you, often they resign. Mm. And right now, like, but well, what are you going to do? You've got, too many, you've got too many pieces in those positions. What are you going to do? Know do to Cam, Cam <laughs> come down from – Cam was just in this situation up here in Brisbane. Do you know what? got relegated to the bench. You're going to do that to that guy again? Rock. Rock. I mean, if you, can, if you can get Gorge to coach your team, I'm sorry, Matt Flynn, it's been real. But You know what I mean? But Gorge is coming in. Like, if you can get Brock off to come in, you're going to look at Cam Glidden, you're going to look at Ruben Tarangi – you know, say, so boys, you're each going to cop a cut to your, your minutes here. Well, I, let me talk about Tarangi. He's getting a cut in his minutes anyway, whether Brokoff comes or not. That's – I I, I want to like Ruben. Um, and he was really good two years ago for Brisbane. And I mm-hmm. thought last year, I thought he got shafted mm-hmm. up here. Um, and – but this year he hasn't looked intelligent. Like he just has to be a better basketball player. Um, the shot, is he a good shooter? I don't know. Is he, is he and Kendall Stevens, are they good shooters? Kendall Stevens is. Ruben Tarangi has lost Mick Downer's phone number. And that's to me is, has been a problem. Because right. when he, he had that year, when he shot like 48% from three, yep. he, he had put in the work on a daily basis with Mick Downer to change his shot. I made some adjustments to his shot and he was a marksman. He was. And, and like with so many other players, like with so many players on the wing, if, if that shot's going down, it opens absolutely everything else up for their, for their game. And I think that's, you know, that's the big, the big issue for him is he's not knocking that down. And then, the other thing is what you're talking about there about his decision-making. Like the game they lost to Perth, 
when they were up three with five minutes to go. Tarungi advances it down the middle, leaves his feet, tries to throw an entry pass to Wetzel in the block yep. from the top. The thing sails out of bounds and Perth reel off a 20 to three run on the back of it and never look back. Those kind of plays, it's like, Ruben, do you know what? Like you're, you're very, very valuable to us at the defensive end. He's legit switching one through five. Yeah. Defensively. Yeah. Strong. And, and I, I'm having trouble getting you off the floor because of what you're doing for us at that end, at that end. But going the other way, you need to stay in your lane. Mm. I mean, look, if they can get all those guys playing, like Cam's got to do a better job. If I was coaching Cam, I would be like, we know you can shoot the three, but let's see if you can get it. Let's see if you can get that ball off the thread of the three into mm. the paint. Let's get some finishes at the rim. I could have mm. sworn he had more paint points when he played for Cans. And it seems like that aspect of his game is just gone now. Mm. Everything is about the three ball. Mm. That's a great call. There were some moments in that game in Bendigo on Sunday when he up faked the three, got into the lane, finished at the rim. And then the other one was actually explored a little bit in the mid-range. Late in yeah. that when he got flowing there and he had that little mid-range. Yeah, that little flurry. Yeah. And it's mm. like, okay, he's showing you a little bit of everything now. And then a moment later, he's towing the arc, didn't hesitate, knocked it down. Yeah. I Look, you know, he's got great length and size. And, you know, I loved the way he played in Cairns. A lot of, that, a lot of those games I was calling back then. Mm. And I just thought he was such a clutch performer. Mm. And we really haven't seen – we saw him beat Adelaide. But, you know, those – it's been – They've just been glimpses. They haven't been regular occurrences. And I just feel he's too talented a guy not to be, look, if you can't get the volume, at least be, you know, have those games where you're going four for six, four for seven. And every single one of those points are valuable, you know, go four for seven, go three from three from the line, get your team four rebounds, get a couple assists and play good defense. And that's valuable. I just hate when I see Cam go like one for three, mm. where it's like, well, what was going on out there? Last year with Brisbane, he was a, I'm pretty sure he was like a 42, 43, 44% three-point shooter. Like he so often has been over the course of his career. He just didn't get enough off. And for some reason, even when he was open, seemed hesitant to let it go. But the numbers actually showed that he was very, he was highly efficient. And mm. so I think Southeast Melbourne were thinking when they had the opportunity to bring him in, were thinking like, we believe he can still he can still be that guy. We've just got to get him more looks. But so far, he like in the first few games, he's he's had a couple of op you know games where he's yeah. had that kind of volume hasn't knocked down. But I, I tell you, I'm I'm still with it. I, I believe okay. I believe that he can he can like shoot the, at a higher percentage and give them yeah. what they need. And I think he's like Tarangi. He's also been solid for them defensively and them as a team as a result with Sykes instead of Roberson, with Glidden. Like, I love Madgen and his energy and everything, but he wasn't the same defender last year as he had been previously yeah. in the league. And with, with Tarangi playing all those minutes at the three, instead of, say, a guy like Kendall Stevens, I actually think they've been much better defensively this so far than they were last year. Um, I hope Creaky's ankle isn't too bad and heals quickly because I'm predicting he's going to be MVP. Hmm. I think he's he's primed. I think he knows how to. I think he's learned 
how to operate at a high level over a long period of time now, because that's the thing. And so many people talk about this person's great, that person's great, but can you do it over the course of a season? Can you do it every straight game for 10 to 12 games in a row? You know, this is why, I mean, you, you lived through the era, you know, that's why when people are talking about Andrew Gaze, you're talking about a level of consistency and productivity that is like, Uncanny, like we haven't, no one's seen what Drew used to do. Like Drew would have 30 points and it'd almost be a bad game. That, not that he ever played a bad game. And how many years did he do that for? Mm. 17, 18 years? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, you were talking about Adam Gibson before. We were calling the game the other day and in, in, the, in the lead up to, to the game, we're talking about, um, they were going to say that. So we've got this graphic, it's got Gibbo, it's the like games played, active players and everything. And, Drew was like, well, I don't know. What, what, what number does he have at the start of it? And, and he was like, is it a four? And I was like, yeah, it's a four. He's like, okay, I'll credit a four. If, if, a, guy, if a guy doesn't have a four at the start of his three-digit number for games played, I don't want to hear about it. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. What did you make of the Wagstaff miss? It was, it was an unbelievable moment. It made me feel bad. It just, I didn't, I, I kind of turned the TV off. It just made me feel sick because I could imagine being him and like, you're just looking for mm. a hole. Mm. In fact, and I think, who was it? Tom, Tom Garlop, tweet from him post game and it, it captured, it, it, he, he made a great point. I love the way actually he turned around and, and Tom Garlop said you could see in real time him process what had happened. Like, and, and he's walking back and he looked like he was just going to walk back with his head hung. But in fact, he held it up. He went into the huddle. You could see him thinking, actually, you know what? I'm the leader of this team now. Damo's not here to, to tell everyone that it's okay. And you could see him saying, my bad. Should have made it. Let's go. It just wasn't what I, I, I didn't enjoy that moment at all. Mm. Didn't enjoy it. A lot of people were, you know, I, I just did not, didn't like it. You can't. I, I, I'm just like Jesse. I've got so much respect for him and everything that he's about. And like, no, I just didn't enjoy seeing him go through that. I've, it makes me feel bad now. It's just not comfortable. Yeah, no, you can, I mean, you can't. I find it difficult to revel in somebody and, and enjoy that sort of misfortune or, or, a, or a calamity like that. But I did it. There was one element of it that I enjoyed. And that is... You just said you didn't enjoy anything about it. No, no, no. You said you didn't enjoy everything about it. What I enjoyed is that it was it was unexpected. It was oh. amazing live TV. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, and I was yeah. calling that, it was just shook. The, 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 how it, the, the play, him getting wide open. The, it was the game he was tying Vlahov for the fourth place in the all time for the Wildcats at 350. And, but then that's the beautiful, and I wrote this yesterday. It, it perfectly encapsulated what's so amazing about live sport and how why it's yeah. the best TV you could watch, the best reality television that exists. Because the moment you think you know what's going to happen, something else plays out. And Trevor Gleason, obviously, uh, I, I still maintain that he's underrated as a coach. Great play call. 
Um, apparently I was talking to, I was describing what happened via text to Joey Wright. Mm -hmm. And Joey was like, I bet you I know what play he's, he's like, was it the flare screen slip? And I was like, yep. <laughs> and he's like, yep. I remember, I remember when he first ran it like six years ago against us. And I said, they ran it to perfect, perfect execution, but you know, Jesse just missed the layup. And you know, that's another one though, you know, all of a sudden Perth, Perth, they've had their world kind of upended since then, haven't they? Mm, they have. Mm -hmm. They're on the road. They won't be back in Perth for a while. One case, huh? <laughs> one case. I mean, that's, you know. Everything. America'd be like, one case? Yeah. <laughs> I America's know. like a thousand cases. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, but... You know, you get that. That's that's why we we have the situation we have, right? Because we've approached it that way. But um, yeah, they're now going to experience what a whole bunch of teams are going to have have been experienced, right? There's a few teams around the league who have. You talked about the hectic schedule of the Taipans, but them, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, up until now, have had a pretty good life. Good look. Good look, good Great looking time. life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's no Albury, there's no Hobart, there's no on. I mean, Southeast Melbourne, when they came back, they'd been away since New Year and going all over the shop. And they were telling the all the one more game, one more game on Sunday, and then you go home to your family and you hug your wives and you you, you cuddle your kids and you have a drink or do whatever you need to do. And then that, as the guys got home that night from Bendigo, the club was ringing, ringing the players around saying, you got to go into isolation. Wow. And, and that's so, they're, so what? They're in isolation now for... They, they just had to wait until they got their test results. But, but they were like, separate, you got to separate from your families and, and, and stay in isolation until you get... So these are the things, and that's what triggered Tommy yesterday to tweet, you know, I've got all this respect for, for all the players. And the, like, what, we watch on game night and we criticize whether they made it or missed the layup or this, that or the other. But what these players and, and coaches and, and performance staffs are going through right now in terms of the travel schedule, staying away from home, not seeing their kids or their family is extreme in terms of then being able to perform at an elite level when the lights come on. Well, I, like I said, I've got massive respect for every, everyone around the world that's trying to play right now with so much uncertainty because mm -hmm. I know it would have probably driven me crazy in the lead up to games. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're playing, um, you're supposed to be playing, uh, who was Cam supposed to play this weekend? Then all of a sudden they're playing New Zealand. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. like because I was so mentally focused and I thought I was pretty cerebral with my preparations, mm -hmm. um, yeah, to all of a sudden have to adjust my mindset. Um, it would have, yeah, it would have caused great internal consternation for me. And it, even thinking about it, like so I've got players over at colleges in America. Some have been on the bus to the arena when the game got canceled. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so volatile in mm. terms of, and you've got to, and you've got to stay ready. You, you talked about cans right then. I, I want to make sure we, we hit on this. Yeah. Um, Mojave King, unbelievable talent. So exciting what he's, mm -hmm. you know, his potential and, and what he can do. But right now, especially in that last game, he's not getting much burn. Mm -hmm. What's what's the current state of play in your view with, with Mojave King in that type end squad? Well, I think he's probably just representative of 
what's going on throughout that team. I think there's a lot of guys we touched on Nate Jawa not getting the minutes that he's probably deserving. And I think realistically, you know, there's a slight adjustment for Mike Kelly to make this year in terms of his substitution pattern, his starting lineup, his rotation. See, I personally think that Mo and Mirko are in the wrong positions. Mm. I'd have Mirko as my flamethrower coming off the bench. That's where he's comfortable. And I thought he did a great job for them last year in that role. And he loves that. When you come in, when he comes in the game, you run a play for him. If he hits that first one, you just keep getting it to him. Whereas I think Mojave is more of a complete player. And I think he would blend in better with that first group because you're not trying to find him shots. He's just going to play the game. Whereas Mirko, mm -hmm. to get benefit out of him, you need to be finding him shots. Mm -hmm. And I just think he's better served coming in with, in that second group. Um, look, Mo has, and Mo's a fantastic talent, but this is also part of a learning experience for him. You know, he's got to learn to be more aggressive, learn to knock down shots when they present themselves. I don't think he's played poorly. It's just the fact that he hasn't been able to make shots. But I thought the other day against Brisbane, that was a game where I was really looking forward to him getting out and playing against some quality guards and showing what he can do. Like I would have liked to see him match up against Vic Law. I wanted to see him check Sobe and those types of things and just see where he's at as, as kind of a little bit of a test. And I think mm. he's got the ability and a lot of people around the world know that he has the ability. It's just a matter of Mike finding the right way to utilize him and how many minutes does he actually deserve per game. Um, there are very few people in the country on the planet who can talk to Mojave King's skill set as well as you can, given the the work that you've done with him on a one on one basis, especially mm. over the last six nine months. What um, what is it about him that makes him, in your view, um, an elite NBA prospect? We've seen glimpses of it, but it's going to be the surprising thing is how well he can shoot the basketball. And actually Mo was here at my place and we watched the NBA draft and we watched all the highlight packages of the different players. And, you know, I said, Mo, your, you know, your mechanics are better than all of these guys that are going early. Um, look, they're going to have probably, well, it may not even be the case. Mo may wind up being better exposed um, at a better level of play. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like those guys get big exposure in the NCAA circuit, but Mo, if he, if he gets it going in this NBL, what we've seen from RJ and we've seen from LaMelo and T. Ferg, the reach that the NBL can have. So, you know, it's just a matter of him finding his way. And I said, look, Mo, don't, you're in game five or six. You're in game six out of what, 36? Mm -hmm. You know, the natural tendency is for people to panic. And, uh, you know, I talked to him after the game the other day and I said, you're learning, you know, you, you see, you've got to be hungry. You've got to be more aggressive. And this, you know what, when you get in the NBA, this is the type of stuff that happens. You play 20 minutes one night, you get yourself, uh, you get yourself 15 points and you think you're on your way next night. Nope. You go sit on the bench. <laughs> That's the way it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it is. I, I, and, it's, I love the, the suggestion though, to, to, to roll him out there in that starting lineup and bring Mirko off the bench. I wonder if there's a, if um, Mike saw Mirko as being the, 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 um, the guy who would step up defensively on that wing to fill, help fill DJ because he's been given some of those roles, yeah. right. In the early going here, guys like Justinian Jessup and the like, and unfortunately that that's not him. 
and he has no. And why put like if, if I'm if I'm coaching you, I want to put you. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at your your physical profile, your skill set, your psychological profile. I've got to put Liam in the best position to help him be his best so that we can be our best as a team. Mm. And I think Mirko's thing is he's coming in and flamethrowing. Mm-hmm. Energy, hype. Then once he knocks down a couple of shots, you know what else, you know what's going to improve then? The thing you talked about defensively. He's going to be able to shut down, you know, a lot of people because he's just full of confidence. And that's Mirko's profile. Mm. And I love the way he plays. I just think I would make that switch. Mm. And, and at, at the moment I see with, you know, Ever you, uh, I'm sure his dad, his agent, I've said it on, on the show about Mojave needing to stay aggressive, right? Make sure you're on the front foot every time you're out there and you, you're probing, getting into the lane. Don't hesitate to get your shot off. But at the moment when he comes out there, I see a little anxiety in him to start making that happen. And mm-hmm. he's, I think a couple of them have been maybe questionable shots yeah. and there's a fine line of course for a young kid between be aggressive and make good decisions and i think starting him alongside scott alongside cam like trevor gleason's doing with luke travers yes saying you're not you like you're not the mic you're not our microwave you're just a really tough cover on the wing these guys will help set you up go out there and work your way into the game and a serious physical threat out there. That guy, he is, a, he is an elite athlete. Elite athleticism, you got guys running off the wing, catching the, catching the ball off the glass, or he's out in the break. You know, that's where he's going to excel. But he needs, you know, he's 18. He needs, he needs to feel the game a bit more. He's, he's, he's never come off the bench in his life. Mm. As a junior, he was the point guard. It was only when he got to the Institute where they kind of moved him to the wing. You know, he needs to come off on ball. He's, he's, he's skilled in all that type of stuff. But, you know, the way things are, he's got, just got to do the best with what's going on. And I'm sure, look, Mike's smart enough as a coach to figure out what's going on. And I'm confident, well, he better because they're under the pump now. You know, you've got to produce as a coach. You know, a good coach is a winning coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Tom Wisman told me that. Remember Tom Wisman? <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned Mitch Creek, MVP. Right now, after three weeks, who, who, who has impressed you the most out of Tyler Harvey, Vic Law, Bryce Cotton? Only two games, right? But he's always what he is. Um, and Isaac Humphreys. Okay, so I'm always partial, but also more critical of the guards like myself. And what I've seen from Harvey and Cotton is exceptional. Mm-hmm. Like, not only very productive and uh, getting the job done for your teams, but entertaining. Like entertaining. I want to see Harvey. I started watching Harvey in the preseason when he was toasting. Who did he toast? Perth and Sydney, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, this. I started telling people, yo, Harvey is nice. And they're like, what about Jessup? And I'm like, yeah, Jessup is a good basketball player. Mm-hmm. But Harvey's the one that's going to make you turn your device on and tune <laughs> in, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so those two look fantastic. Um, and I can't wait, you know, for more, especially when the NBL cup comes and we just got games popping, right? It'll be nonstop. Nice. 
Um, Humphreys, though, has shocked oh. me. Shocked me. Mm. Did not expect this. Looks, uh, got more fire in him. I never saw this fire in Sydney. I don't recall it. Mm. Where's it come from? It's a great question. You know, like the, was, was it last year or the year before? He started talking about, and this, it's a, it was, this is what shocked me initially. He was saying playing in the G League reignited my love for the game. And wow. I was like, what? <laughs> it's usually the opposite. Right. You might be the first guy to have ever uttered those words. But he said it, it reignited my love for the game. And that's and he said, I, I, you know, I, I'm playing amazing. That's why he got his NBA opportunity. And the yep. like, and you can see, and we 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 all thought it, we all said it during that long offseason. Like some guys are gonna be putting in the work and it's gonna show, and some guys aren't, and it's gonna play out similarly. And we saw it in the WNBL, right? With Charlotte Hill. She was the mm. perfect example of that. And I think mm. we're seeing that, or we're seeing that with a couple of guys, one import in New Zealand in particular. But we're seeing that with Isaac Humphreys right now because he's in incredible shape. He's bouncy. Yeah. He's all over the rim. Yep. He's all over every weak shot you try to put up around the paint down the other end. Yep. The force of nature right now. Because the words I heard about him were very along the lines of it just doesn't mean enough to him. And it seems that seems way in the rearview mirror now because mm. you know and sometimes it's a fit sometimes like maybe now he's in a place where he feels like they need him for success that probably wasn't the case when he was at sydney and you know he was a kid he was a, and big guys traditionally yes. right at that age but but you're right i mean that's the that's been the difference maker is just his his competitive fire. I used that term about Vic Law earlier, but it applies here to Isaac Humphreys as well. And it helps DJ tremendously because DJ is a pretty quiet soul and he just wants to let his game do all the talking. But they, uh, they're tough, those two. Mm. They're tall. Um, DJ's got the length where he may not have the bounce and the athleticism. He's long. He can stretch the floor. That opens up so much for for Humphreys, you know, just to operate and be singled up down there. Humphreys is good on the glass, but what's really surprised me is, is the rim protection. Mm. I just didn't, I, I, I didn't know he had that type of timing. Um, I just didn't think he had that type of nose for the basketball. No. What do you have, six, five or six block shots in one of those games? Seven. Leading the league in blocks. Jack White, incredibly enough, right behind him. His, his got similar... Um, timing and athleticism that he's been putting on display. So those two, Landell and White and Humphreys and DJ are, they're rolling. Mm. They're rolling. Mm -hmm. Those four. Um, it's going to be very competitive to make all NBL in the four or five slot. Or because what is it? It's three exterior, two right. interior. Mm -hmm. Cam Oliver. Mitch Creek. Wow. See, I wonder if that is that the right formula to do that now. So hard, isn't it? It's the the terminology is not right. Inside and outside. That's is that is that the official terminology? That's the, that's the official terminology. That's old now, 
and dated. And positions, positions is even older. So how right. do you address it? It's, how do you address it? And do you know what? Maybe it's just five guys. What's the NBA do? Position? Uh, two guards, two forwards, one center. I'm pretty sure. Or is that the way to go? That way you don't have to make any, because what's Creek? Creek's a forward. Maybe that's the way to go. Two guards, mm. two forwards, and a center. Mm. Because you've got Humphreys as a center, Landell's Lando, a center. Cam Oliver, John Mooney. Yo, I like him. I like him better than Plumley. I think his basketball IQ and his awareness and things like that, he may not be the physical specimen. Not saying that he's bad because he's got some pop, but I think his IQ and all of that stuff is better than Plumley's. I find it a strange comparison, though, the, the Mooney to Plumley comparison, because really Mooney is, I mean, is to replace Nick K. I know. Right? So, and and it, what a great signing he was to replace Nick K, because he's, he's but not I thought, Nick no, I, I thought I thought Jervis is officially now the Nick K <laughs> replacement. No? No? Bro? No. Okay. no. Sorry. Um, but that was the beautiful thing about Plumley is he only needed to be that because he was alongside Nick K. Yeah. Right. Like that's um, valid. Yeah. That's that's the hole that they have in the front line. Uh, I, I alluded to Lamar Patterson before. Ugh. We got it. I know. I don't want to. It's not not ideal to end on it. This downer, stuff. But. This like I comment about these things on Twitter, but it's I think sometimes, and this is one of the bad parts about social media, is like you don't really understand the person's emotion behind the tweet or the sentiment. Like, you know, like it hurts me. It hurts. The, it hurts me to see like Lamar like that. It hurts me to watch Scotty Hobson not be able to get a bucket mm. to make it, it, it. It's, it's awkward to hear who was calling the game the other day, the United, were you doing the United mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with Drury? And you guys got so excited because on a two-on-one, Hobson came down and fed Jack White, and Jack White dunked it. <laughs> Most of my DRB under-16 girls could make that play. <laughs> but it's because, you know, we, we want like to get Hobson. him going. We like Hobson, right? Right. And we're trying to – but it's like, is, is, is this where our standards drop to for him already? Like, we feel so bad that he can't get a bucket. How many points he had the other day, Liam? Zero. How is that possible? 19 a game last season. Easy 19. 21 a game for Patterson. Oh, look, Patterson's... Okay, so we've got these two problems right now. There were two of the top five players in the league last year, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Patterson is overweight. I don't understand how it's happened. I don't know all his circumstances. Um, It's inexcusable from a professional point of view you damage your team um that game the other day was a disgrace it was an embarrassment but it's still i mean i feel bad i feel bad for his team i feel bad for him that he can't get that thing under control and allow himself to maximize his amazing talent i for i mean i I, i'm skinny naturally all right. So if I don't go to the gym, I'm losing weight. I'm going down to 63 kilos if I don't <laughs> if I don't eat every meal. So it's hard for me to understand. It was easy for me to get in shape. Right. I had that advantage. Mm-hmm. So I kind of empathize with whatever he may be going through. But obviously, like, you can't come in like that. Yeah, but to put yourself in his head, 
yeah. right? Where he came in not too far off that last season. He was all NBL first team, third in MVP voting. So do you know what I mean? Like if if but why not say you know what it, I can be better? I can be MVP next I, year. I know, but not not everyone's wired in the same way, right? So if your guys, like for instance, if um, who's just retired, Tim Conrad, if his mates ask him to play on a Thursday night in in Wollongong, he's like, do you know what? I'm going to go down there and I'm going to have fifty, um, whether I do anything between now and then or not. So yeah. what's driving me to, you know, like go out and get shots up or, or, or work out every day and make sure I'm in peak condition for that Thursday night game. I feel like there's an element of that for Lamar during the off season where he's like, you know what? I like just from a talent perspective, like I can get it done down there. Um, and it's unfortunate because when he first arrived that first season and he was in much better shape, closer to what he did was uh, how he was when he was in the NBA. Um, you know, like he's, yeah. that he's in, uh, an un- unbelievably tough player in this league. And if you're Matt Walsh and you're signing him or you're Dan Shamir, you're hoping that you get that guy. It's, you know, what's, what did he have the other day? Six, so he's had 16 and six but this is a different year. Like he doesn't have access to the resources that he normally would like he it's like, is he going to be able to be as mobile and do the things that he needs to do that he did last year to get himself into good playing condition? You know what I'm saying? This is a, this is a different year. Like, are they allowed? I don't know what the protocol stuff is. Like how much can you do? Like. He needs to be doing everything that he can, right. They need to really expedite that process. And in the meantime, and I made this point on, on NBL Overtime today, they need to give him the ball in the right spots in the meantime. Now, yeah. it was a disaster the other night. You're right. Like he had that moment defensively where the, where the ball just whipped straight by him. And that was it for Dan Shamir. He was like, you know what? Sit down. You're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> but there were some moments in the lead up to that late in possessions where Lamar that's single digits on the shot clock. So he flashes to the ball. He's like, well, this is my no time. time for me. Right. Mm. And, and he got looked off twice. And then other moments where he's trying to use his bulk to quickly seal up on, on a mismatch or his matchup down, down low. And they're not feeding him that ball. Um, I think he is what he is right now. And as mm. this is what he did last year, and it's clearly the situation you're in. It's unfortunate that he's trying to work his way into fit, like peak condition during the season, but that's the situation you're in. And you've got to give, put him in the spots to be as effective as he possibly can be in the meantime. Well, I think his situation is easier than Hobson's because it's quite clear what the problem is with LP. Mm-hmm. Scotty Hobson, I, I don't know what's going on there. He doesn't look like the same dude. I think this is a more complex one to try and figure out. Mm. Um, I would almost rather, I'd almost be rather be the breakers than and try and figure out Lamar than trying to be United because I just worry that Hobson may he maybe have the tough time slotting in and figuring out how he can impact. When do I shoot the ball? What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. He's used to being the number one 
option every time down the court. And now he's like, that it's not like United play that way anyway. There is, I don't know who their number one option has been over the years. I think it was Casper that one mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sometimes he's, it's Chris, sometimes it isn't. Like, who's the number one option there? He's well, he's third right now. Because it's Chris. But even even Landell, like Landell barely had anything going into the half the other day. He had like four or six points or something. And Jack White had all the points. So that's kind of United style. They hit you in so many different areas. It's kind of like however plays turn out. I don't Mm. know, like, if they actually prioritize getting the ball to certain people or not. Mm -hmm. You may know more about that aspect of it than I do. But I, you know, like maybe Hobson is just like, oh, wow. Like, what is this? You know, that's really interesting because in their championship year of 2018, where they had Casper and they had Chris and they had Josh Boone, they brought mm. the, those guys, they re-signed those guys from the previous year. And they added Casey Prater. And in the first, I don't know if you remember, the first few weeks of that season, it was clunky. Yes. And, and there was a lot of, they were having a difficult time working out exactly this. And it was, um, they got to a point after a little while where they actually got a little bit more deliberate about going, we're going at you for the next three minutes. Or yep. this play is for you. And that, that's, that helped get Casey Prather going in that team where mm. they, put it, they, they kind of took away some of that gray area and they kind of got a little bit more black and white about it. I reckon they might need to do that. And, and, and the, the, the small moment so far this season where Scotty's looked the best was late in the game in Cairns where they actually said, you know what, we're riding you in the block for, for a period down the stretch here. And mm. they went to him... And it wasn't, it wasn't a great result every possession, but he looked his most comfortable there. Was like, I know what it is. Like, it, they, we're, yeah. we're playing off me for a bit here. Well, I thought the other day in Bendigo, he just, I mean, I, I remember him last year as being so fluid and smooth mm. and, and, and silky strong. You know what I mean? Really mm-hmm. supple. And this year, it looks like he doesn't even have that same pop and elasticity. Mm. And, like the raise up on his jumper just doesn't seem to be there. And sometimes that can just be, you know, a product of uncertainty. And, you know, am I taking the right shot? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? All that type of stuff. It's, it's, I'm not saying that it's easy to do it, but it's easier to find your rhythm when you know you're getting, you know, if I miss this one, it's okay. I know either next possession or the next possession after that, I'm touching and I'm shooting it again, or I'm trying to make a play. Well, if this Melbourne United team, they got a lot of guns, man. You might go five possessions without being able to, without being in the position to make a play. Mm. And it's not like they're calling. They don't have a real directional offense where they're, it's more like read and react type stuff, isn't it? It is, but they've got some things that they go to. Like there was a stretch. You would have seen the stretch against Cairns where they, they ran that Spain action for a while. Yeah. And, and Vico did yeah. a great job of like, you know what, let's just, they're having all kinds yeah. of trouble at it. Let's just work our counter, counters. And yeah. they did similar with, with their gate play for jock landale in, yep. in the second half the other the other day and um and i also like the fact that like three point the phoenix come back from 15 down it's a three-point game and they go well you know what we're going straight at chris he comes yep. off knocks that down he gets that yeah doubles the lead and it's like well that's you know they've just got so many weapons and i think vico is very good at doing that of going all right we've got this problem let's 
let's try to, and he tried to find ways last season to solve those problems with the lineup that they had. And eventually, of course, it was Mellow Trimble coming off the bench and that seemed yeah. to work and they nearly got their way to the grand final series. I, I think we're going to see- Should have been there. Right? Hold on. They blew out Sydney in game two, right? Uh-huh. And then in get oh, game three, that's right. The referee game. That's right. I remember. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yes. they were uh, they were very involved. <laughs> in game three. That was a crazy playoff last year because do you think Cans Cans could have won their series, right? It very easily could have been Cans versus Melbourne. Could have been. Could have been. Um Tough to, you know, that's why Perth, you know, tough to be Perth in Perth in a game three. Hey, did you see the tweet yesterday when Perth, Perth put out a tweet where they were talking about that feeling when the season just starts and you got a COVID? Do you remember that? Did you see that tweet yesterday? Yeah. yeah. And then Sydney replied to it with Homer Simpson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did that mean? Please explain it to me. I don't understand. Uh, that it was Homer like um, tapping the couch. Comes yeah. The what does that us. mean? They're like, we we've been away from our home. We haven't played at home yet. We've been in Albury. We've been in Cairns. We've been like we've been. You know what I mean? We've been everywhere, man. Oh right. Okay. Like, the, please right. don't be whinging that you have to hit the road. Got you. Got you. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> Um, which... I'm not very good at reading between the lines. <laughs> that's, that's what the uh, that's what the memes are for, right? Like you say things, you can say things without having to actually say it. Um, and I know there's been a bit of you know, there's obviously some leftover stuff about the grand final last year where they go at each other, also, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I find that quite entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, what um, we, we're gonna wrap up here. Yeah. What what uh, what are you most kind of looking? for or at in this next stretch of games so ignoring the matchups but what's what's the team or the, i mean is it lamar and scotty and how they get out of their funks is it the taipans trying to turn things around is it finding out whether brisbane are the real deal or not what what do you got your eye on i'm very curious to see what sydney's identity is hmm. i thought that that was a game the other day where they could have made a little bit of a statement against an adelaide team that probably realistically thinks they're good, but wasn't quite sure. And Sydney coming in could have, I thought, maybe sent Adelaide into a bit of a, into a bit of doubt. Now they think they can beat anybody, right? Hmm. Now they're like, oh yeah, we got this. And Sydney now I'm like, okay, well, what's Sydney? You got Casper. Has Casper been good since he's moved to Sydney? Uh, not as good. He was great at Melbourne United. Right. All NBL second team last year got his team to the grand final. Yeah, so so there's there's good compared and to I guess like, there's, there's a, other players, and then there's good compared to what you yourself used to be. And that's and I think he can. I didn't think Will Weaver was a great coach for him. I think Casper, like here you go, Casper. Let me know when you need to come out. <laughs> Let me okay. know when you need to come out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I'm going to give you a little break, but we'll, I'll, I'll let you know when when it's coming. So if you need to get off real quick, you know, I'm going to pull you over and say, Cass, I'm probably going to get you in a minute. So go make some plays and feel like you can make some plays. Mm-hmm. And then we'll move on. Mm. Um, and look, Sydney, late coaching change, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm sure they tried to maintain a lot of the same philosophies and so forth, but things would naturally be slightly different. And I'm just wondering what, what are they trying to do? And, and I'm very curious to see how it all plays out. I reckon they're, they're in survival mode. Right really? Now. I mean, I think they're just trying to keep their head above water because they've got really well, they've got no Daniel Kickett, they've got no Xavier Cooks, Angus Glover's gone down, Didi Lazada's out for a month. Um, and they're playing but they could have won that game players. The other night, right? They, they could have, be- they could have because they've got good talent, Casper, Jarrell Martin, Dion Vasiljevic. Like, I think over the next, we saw in I don't the, mind yeah, Hunter either, Hunter's playing a role. Yeah, he's doing good things. Newly. But it, see, you're, you, your, your survival mode comment is I'm, I, you, you've downgraded them below where I thought they would be. Well, if, they, if, if that team with all those outs, Xavier, yep. I mean, that's two starters in Cooks yep. and Didi and a guy who could have been best six man last year in, in Daniel Kickett and is, is a, an absolute weapon. Yeah, he's a he's a scheme bender, shooting like that from the five. Mm. Big outs for what you were what you were going to be or what you could potentially be, but and so if you can win games with those guys out, amazing, right? And that's mm. I think that's the space that they're in right now. And I think in that space, it's go time for Dion Vasiljevic. Yeah, well, he's I mean, definitely taking advantage of it and. Credit to him. Like, and like he had 28 the other night. He should be, I mean, I'm expecting 20 a night for him in this next stretch of games. Like, I think it's unleashed time for him. He and Casper should be able to go from 35 to 45 a night between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And then a whole a heavy dose of Drell Martin. And they'll be in the mix. But yeah, I mean, that's, they go back up against Adelaide this week. Right. Uh, after after um, spending the week in Adelaide, and that's a, that's a big one for them. Wow, yeah. So that's what I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what cool. they have as a team. And uh, it's been a great season so far. I'm enjoying it. I just uh, shout out to the players for hanging in there and being mentally tough and and still performing and providing an entertaining product. Well said. Well said. And this was fun, man. Let's do this. Let's do this again. Let's do this on the reg. I'm ready. I'm ready. I loved it. Love it. Speak soon. All right. See you, Liam.